When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hello folks, welcome to the Pro Wrestling Index here on the Anfield Index podcast channel. I'm your host, Andy Wales, joined tonight, as always, by my audio tag team partner, Mo Chatra and Mo. Tonight we've got a bit of TLC to talk about, and I'm not on about the 90s band. <laughs> Indeed, it's, it's um, uh, been a very interesting week for the WWE yet again, and um, topped off. In terms of talking points by uh, TLC, which is now brand exclusive to SmackDown, and um, it certainly brought its uh, usual share of spills and thrills. So, um, yeah, plenty to talk about. Yeah, I, I mean, before we get into breaking down the matches, I've got to say, more I'm really disappointed because we had a tables match, we had a ladder match, we had a chairs match, we even had a TLC match. But where was the stairs match? Well, without the big show being around, there's just no point, was there? He's the only one big enough and strong enough to uh, throw those stairs around at will. And uh, that was the only missing link uh, from that show. Um, and I think they even called it in the past, table ladders, chairs. <laughs> they did indeed. I was alluding to that one, yes. That's it's right. tables, ladders, chairs and stairs. A bit yeah. like the next uh, pay-per-view coming up on Raw. You know, it's roadblock through the traffic lights, third left on your third turning on your left, I believe, and then go across the roundabout. Or is it something like that? End of the line, it might be. <laughs> oh, that's it. End of the line. Not third turning on your left. No, because, you know, just one title isn't enough. No, we have to <laughs> no it's so. not. <laughs> <laughs> and if you hashtag that, you won't have any space left to actually put anything on the tweet, so it won't be trending number one Twitter worldwide. Sorry, Michael Cole. So anyway, let's let's get stuck into TLC. And um, well, I, I want to start with with the uh, the tag team titles. Heath Slater and Rhino. I refuse to call them Beauty and the Man Beast. I don't know where the hell that came from. Uh, up against. <laughs> up against the new Wyatts. Uh, what what did you make of this one? Well, it was a match. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it's a shame in a way because Bray Wyatt, you know, we've talked about on this podcast on numerous occasions, has potentially a lot to offer. He's a guy with a lot of talent in the ring. You know, he's shown it in the past. 
um, he can certainly go. Randy Orton, um, you know, in the next few years, will achieve legendary status in the company. Um, not so much for anything he might be doing in the next several years, but what he's achieved, um, you know, during his career in the company, and he's been there for some 14 years now, and um, his accomplishments are unmatched almost. And there's very few people, you know, Triple H, Jericho, John Cena, and that's about it that can match his list of accomplishments. Um, so, you know, both individuals, you can argue, are wasted in the tag team division, which is a division in on the SmackDown side, which isn't exactly overflowing with really exciting um, over-tag teams. Uh, but nonetheless, um, the match was fine. It was a short match. Um, it wasn't something that was ever going to be a great match. Um, it was okay for what it was. And it was the right result. Uh, Wyatt and Orton won the titles clean after um, Orton hit the RKO Rhino. And um, it was good to see a change of the guard. And um, it'd be interesting to see where Wyatt and Orton go as tag team champions. Uh, but Heath Slater and Rhino is an act that, for me, was already wearing thin. So it was the right time to, to make the change. Yeah, I absolutely agree uh, wholeheartedly on that With uh, in terms of, you know, that was beginning to wear thin. And the whole joke thing that had gone run its course, and you know it's it's actually refreshing to see them put a, a you know a title belt on Wyatt as well, a quite an interesting one, and it's for me it's it's come sort of you know maybe three years too late, you know that here's here's a character that I don't think he was ever going to be, you know a main event headline or anything like that, but he does he he does connect with the audience, so I think putting a, a t- title belt on him just kind of helps um, maybe get him back up there you know get get people believing him a bit more uh, and then when he actually does something whether it's split in with uh, Orton and they go back to a one-on-one people I think people will actually care about it just that little bit more and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of intrigued by this by this pairing and, and I like the chemistry that the two of them seem to have with each other yeah, it's surprising actually, isn't it? Um, that there is some there, and uh, I think there is some mileage in these two having a run as tag team champs. Albeit, I think both of them deserve something a bit um, more prominent. But nonetheless, they are where they are, and um, I think they'll, they'll make the most of it. They're both very good workers. Um, you're quite right, though. Bray Wyatt should have had a title in sooner. Um, I was actually surprised that this was his first title um, since uh, becoming a main part of the roster several years ago. Um, I, I think that in many ways he's the biggest victim in the entire company to the PG era because that whole gimmick would have worked so much better in the Attitude era. And we know that that really isn't the right reason going to come back. But um, if you think back to The Undertaker and the Ministry, some of the very dark, um, very intense type of angles and storylines and skits and segments they used to run with him, now, that kind of stuff would be tailor-made for Bray Wyatt, but they just don't want to give that because a lot of what we see, you know, 90% of the TV that's put out there by the WWE is light-hearted entertainment now. So really serious, really dark, really edgy angles, storylines, the things of the past nowadays, unfortunately. And um, Bray Wyatt is one of those, um, both as a performer and as a gimmick, that um, really lost out. And I think they've, he had that scope to be more creative and be involved in those kind of darker, deeper types of angles and storylines. And um, his character would, be, would have been 
significantly more effective. Yeah, and I think that as well, the the fact that you know the new face of fear was actually the constant face of defeat hasn't really helped his his character along the way. Uh, yeah, but move, moving along anyway to um, Nikki Bella and Carmella and some pigtails. Yeah, sure. I mean, <laughs> Nikki Bella rocked those pigtails. Uh, wow. <laughs> uh, they were quite... Uh, it was the best part of the match, and, shall we say. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it just proved my point about Nikki Bella. I've always had a downer on her in terms of an in-ring worker ever since we started doing this pod some 18 months ago. And, um, you know, the, the match proved why. I mean, we're seeing the likes of Sasha Banks, Charlotte, Bailey, uh, Talia having much, much better matches. And you now Nikki Bella's not a complete embarrassment in the ring. Absolutely far from it. But um, she's well below the level of those girls. And uh, I think that really having a feud with somebody like Carmella um, she's at her level now. Um, she's not somebody who should be the pinnacle or focal point of the female division on Raw or SmackDown. And so uh, the fact that she's having these kind of mid-card type of matches and feuds is, is about the right place for her to be nowadays. Uh, she's clearly not the level of worker that um, exists at the top of uh, both rosters uh, on Raw and SmackDown. And... Um, in a way, it would be a shame if they went backwards and started to push it towards another title run. I think that would be uh, you know, undoing a lot of good work that the WWE has done in the last six to nine months in trying to get some credibility for the female divisions on both sides. So, um, yeah, it, was a, it wasn't a great match. Um, it was quite sloppy in various parts. Um, I don't know if you noticed, but Carmella had a black eye, which was actually something that Nikki Bella gave her on SmackDown a few days earlier because um, Carmella ended up giving um, Nikki Bella a chipped tooth um, on TV, I think, a week or two before that. So um, there is some genuine animosity between the two, which is perhaps why um, some of what you saw was fairly stiff and you know that was not um, accidental. That was quite intentional. Um, but nonetheless, it was not a great match. And... Um, I'm, I'm happy that Nikki Bella is not a prominent part of the, the female division on SmackDown or all that, for that matter. No, I think I think functional is the the nicest way I I could put it. And I, I'd say that the, the the match quality certainly picked up next. Um, although I, I've got to say my interest didn't really as much as it was a good ladder match for the intercontinental title between Miz and Dolph Ziggler and it was a good match I just wasn't particularly interested and and I'm not sure maybe it's because I've seen Dolph Ziggler lose more times than I've seen Bray Wyatt lose and I've seen the Miz and Dolph Ziggler fight each other I don't know every week for the last four months it seems like um Am I being harsh? It's a feud that will never end. <laughs> um, just when you think it's over and they're moving in different directions, they come back together again, don't they? I mean, granted, they've had some you know, really good matches over the last several months, but um, these are two guys that, uh, you know, especially on a weekly TV show supplemented by monthly pay-per-views, we've seen against one another 
either in singles competitions, tag, six mans, whatever, multiple occasions, and there's really nothing more to see from them. I mean, they've exhausted their feud and then some. Um, but nonetheless, uh, they were booked together again um, as part of this ladder match. It went nearly 25 minutes. Uh, for me, that was just a bit too long, and that's partly why um, the first 10 minutes especially seemed to be quite slow and not very interesting. Um, but certainly in the second half of the match, it really started to pick up. And uh, I think in the end, for, for me, it was actually bordering on a great match. Um, uh, the, the Miss uh, the great performance. Um, Dolph Ziggler is a very good worker, but, you know, again, we've seen so much from him that there's really nothing that he can do now that is different or surprising or original. Um, we've seen it all from Dolph, Dolph Ziggler, and you know, that's why I've speculated in the past that his time in the company might be coming to an end because when characters reach that position and you know that famous term creative of nothing for you um you know i think that that may apply to Dolph Ziggler very very soon i just don't see where they can really go with him that will make anyone really care all that much about him or take any interest in him there's just nothing really there anymore Uh, what what about what about a character change though you know you know the heel turn i think there was an opportunity crying out for him maybe in that match between Miz and uh, Sami Zayn, something for, for them to do something, you know, to create a bit of interest in him, at least do something with him. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, the Dolph Ziggler gimmick uh, was always more suited to um, a heel character than a face one. And it's a surprise that they never really went back to turning him um, heel. But, uh, I just think that um, even as a heel, you know, he's worked in that kind of role in the past as well. And he's just not somebody that they really fancy in that kind of position, I think. And uh, and they've got a preference for pushing some of the younger talents as as heels. And certainly on the SmackDown side, um, there's quite a prominence of heel characters and fewer on the babyface side. And perhaps that's why um, they're reluctant to turn him heel again and keeping on the face side. And it kind of highlights a more broader problem does this feud in this match because um, you know, the SmackDown roster um, does feel desperately thin. I mean, the show itself, the SmackDown live show week to week, is actually a good show and, in my view, a more consistent show than Raw. But um, it, it's just feeling really light and... Um, when it feels that way, it's difficult to come up with different program, a different storyline for the different talents um, every few weeks. And that's why we're seeing increasingly on this side um, feuds carrying out over several months. You know, I mean, Baron Corbin and Kalisto has been carrying on for a couple of months. and uh, Dean Ambrose and um, AJ Styles you know, has been carrying on for several months. and um, Alexa and Becky Lynch. And we saw all of these matches on the show. And, you know, overall, I thought it was a very good show. Um, but the lack of real depth to this roster, I think, is, is starting to hurt. And um, that's why we're seeing the same matches over and over. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think it was the right call to keep the title on, on Miz. That's clear at the moment. Uh, and, and, you know, build something new with somebody else on there. Uh, and you mentioned Baron Corbin, Kalisto. I mean, again, this is another one that did anybody in the arena actually care about this match? 
you know, given that Baron Corbin's destroyed Kalisto in minutes for how long, and then they have a 13-minute match with chairs. You know, there was a few nice spots because Kalisto is, you know, he's really good, you know, for for his style. And and he'd be, to be honest, I think he'd he'd sit really well with the uh, with the cruiserweight division. But th- this is a thing, you know. I feel like this this pay per view was kind of like I felt like I've been watching SmackDown again, you know. And I kind of watched the same show week in week out for 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 too long now. And and then this maybe this is again that this is why we're we're suffering. It's just kind of like a, a level of boredom almost and an apathy that these again, you know, it's it is it's it's just yeah, I mean, like so you know like they're fighting. Oh, so what? They've got chairs, yeah, and that's right. Yeah, I mean the crowd was not exactly um, coming unglued when. Um, these guys came out and uh, ready to have their match. I mean, my expectations were probably about the same level as expecting a nine out of ten performance out of Dejan Lovren, to be quite frank. Um, so I wasn't really expecting much at all. Um, but nonetheless, I actually was quite pleasantly surprised by this match. I thought it was better than most people, if not everyone, was expecting. You know, there was good action. Um, a lot of it was down to Kalisto. You know, he was the one who you know, really sold things well, you know, took some great bumps and um, was working all around Baron Corbin and um, you know, he, uh, put in a, one of the night's best performances, in fact, and that's what Kalisto can do. And it was one of the better big man, little man type matches we've seen in the WWE for quite a while. So um, the match itself was good, um, but you're quite right. It felt, again... Like the same old, same old. You know, we've seen these two guys at it for weeks on end now, and um, we've become accustomed to, haven't we? Um, seeing feuds begin and end within a matter of four to six weeks, and to see feuds stretch out over two, three, four, or even more months it is something we're, we're not used to nowadays. And it certainly doesn't help when you've got a weekly TV show where all of these talents are on TV pretty much on a weekly basis. Um, you know, the benefit of somebody, something like a, an NXT show is that it's a one hour show and they can't get everyone on the show every single week, which means that sometimes it could be three weeks, even four weeks before you see an individual. So they kept more fresh by being exposed less on TV. Whereas these guys, every single week, pretty much, we're seeing them. And, um, that's why storylines, feuds, programs, um, their shelf life is reached a lot quicker. That that's another drawback of these longer TV shows. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned their NXT. I mean, to contrast that, you know, you've got Nakamura and Samoa Joe. Now they have been feuding for the best part of three months or more. Yeah, that's right. Now that feud to me still feels fresh, and I still can't wait to see them two fight again. Whereas you go to to Raw and SmackDown. And you're seeing the same feud week in, week out. You know, they're having, maybe because they're having matches every week and we're having pay-per-views every two or three weeks that I'm just, it's like the saturation point. You know, I'm just, I'm almost punch drunk. I've seen this so many times that it's like, I'm, it's like I, I, I really like Police Academy 1. I quite like Police Academy 2. But once we got to sort of Police Academy 10, I was losing the will to live. 
you know so it's it's i think it's this concept that nxt recognize the concept of less is more whereas on raw and smackdown they have quite the opposite and and i know obviously like you say look we know the roster on smackdown is is painfully thin but the way that it's written you know we're seeing them week in we're seeing the insane interaction week in week out and i think it's that's what's really hurting the interest levels uh, it's it, it's it's just for me it is that that contrast between how how it's handled on NXT as to how it's handled on the main roster and and for me you can have you know feuds that that are stretched out over time but they've got to be you've you've got to keep our interest at a certain peaked at a certain level you know tease us with something not actually keep giving us it every week you know if I, if I'm if I'm getting I like I like steak if I have steak for tea every night, after two weeks, I'm fed up of steak. You know, it's steak isn't a treat anymore, is it? Well, that's right. And, um, you know, the disappointing thing is, is that this was an issue when we had the brand split previously, when Raw and SmackDown were separate. Um, we were seeing the same types of issues again, especially on the SmackDown side, which had the smaller roster uh, the first time round. And um, we were seeing feuds and matches been stretched out over longer than they otherwise would have been if rosters were all together as one. So um, I was hoping that this time round they would have learnt that lesson from last time and uh, had a way to put it right for this time. Uh, the only real way around it is to have bigger rosters. Now, uh, the WWE across all SmackDown and NXT does have a lot of talent on its book, but um, uh, they're keeping the rosters very, very separate. And um, I certainly think that there's a case for bringing some of the NXT talent up, um, not necessarily full-time onto Raw and SmackDown, but certainly at least to work the TV shows for Raw and SmackDown. So at least it kind of um, adds a few more faces to both rosters. So at least for TV, um, it's... Uh, means there's more opportunities to come up with different kinds of feuds and programs and it also can help with transitioning talent from NXT into Raw and Smackdown and um, that might be one answer but um, yeah the, the whole stale repetitive kind of feel to it where you seem to be seeing the same things, the same feuds, same programs, same matches over and over um, unfortunately it, unless there's a massive change it's something I think we're going to be stuck with yeah, uh, <laughs> unfortunately, I do agree. I mean, almost to the exception is the, is this the uh, Alexa Bliss and Becky Lynch match? In a, we haven't seen them actually get in the ring and fight too many times. This this is probably one of the few exceptions to the rule here. You know, we we see them have interaction, but their actual matches have been kind of spread out, and and I think that's kind of helped. And I think also, I think that the changing of the title was was probably well timed actually, and a nice a nice little move to freshen up the women's division. That's right. Yes, um, it was good to see them elevate uh, Alexa Bliss, who became the women's champion for the first time, the SmackDown brand, and um, it was an okay match. Uh, I thought it just went a bit too long, and um, fifteen minutes for these two. 
felt a good five minutes longer than it should have been. I think they could have had a pretty decent, not a good 10-minute match, but Alexa especially is still relatively inexperienced and um, this was perhaps a bit too much of an ask for her to work a good 15-minute match. Um, so they started it off slow, as you'd expect, and um, tried to kind of speed it up towards the end, but um, it really didn't catch on and they lost the crowd quite early on and um, the crowd was quite clearly bored and to be honest I was as well and um, you know when it was over it was good to see Alexa come out you know, play with the title uh, albeit you know, Becky's a favourite of mine but um, it, it, it was it was it was just a bit too long a match and um, possibly even my least favourite match of the night if I'm being honest so um, I'd like to see I'd like to see if Alexa has another match on an upcoming pay-per-view for it to be no more than 10 minutes because I don't think she's ready to have matches this long. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a fair point. And it's, uh, like you say, it, it is still quite early in the development, but because we've got two women's rosters that, you know, some, there's, there's some of the women had to be called up from NXT perhaps before they were actually ready and in, in a position to to really move up and do themselves justice. But, you know, it is what it is. So what of what of the main event then, the TLC match? Um, because I'll be honest more, I'm a huge fan of AJ Styles. I think he, he, he lives up to his name. He is phenomenal. I think he's been absolutely sensational in his time with WWE. But I'll be honest, this was probably the most one of the most disappointing matches I've seen him in. Um, but maybe that's because I've just seen too many TLC matches and you know, chairs and tables and ladders and everything else in all these gimmick matches. Maybe I've just seen too many of these sort of stunt show matches. Wow, that's um, completely different to my opinion of the match. I thought it was a fantastic match, actually. Um, and, the, and the reason why is because I thought that they paced it really, really well. And for some, the end angle um, might have been something that really sported. But um, if anything, I thought it really enhanced the whole story of the match. So for those that aren't aware, um, AJ and Ambrose are going at it and coming close to half an hour into the match. Uh, so it was a very long match. Um, James Ellsworth, um, Dean Ambrose's um, trusted friend, turned up. The turtle without a shell. Sorry. That's right. The turtle <laughs> without a shell. The alien. Yes, Sorry, yes. go on. Yes, um, he of the very unique appearance um, and no jawline. He turned up and uh, I was expecting him to try and uh, go after AJ Styles, and he initially sort of did. Um, and um, you know, just when we thought Ambrose was going to win the title as he was ascending the top ladder um, to claim the WWE Championship, um, who pushes the ladder over? But uh, James Ellsworth, and uh, that certainly caught me by surprise. I wasn't expecting that, to be honest. And I don't think many other people were. And, you know, I looked at it and I thought, wow, that was really well done. I thought that was such a fantastic angle. And, um, you know, that then allowed Styles to recover, get back into the ring, climb the ladder and reclaim the, uh, and therefore retain the title. And, um, I thought it was it was a really good match. I thought there were some fantastic spots through the match. Um, obviously, uh, the fact that there were about a zillion 
um, announcers tables at ringside helped um, certainly we've part of that stunt show and um, AJ Styles delivered an amazing amazing springboard 450 um, off the top rope um, off onto Ambrose and put him through a table and that was one of the best spots of the whole night and um, now AJ Styles showed his athleticism he's just an amazing athlete an amazing worker um, so I, I, I kind of get that you know, for some people the TLC match might not have been quite as um, exciting um, for me it was more of a slow burner type match it wasn't something that was exciting the whole way through but for me it built into a crescendo towards the end and I thought it turned out to be really good and um, the Ellsworth angle um, with the heel turn uh, was a pleasant surprise and I like that too so <laughs> difference of opinion there Andy yeah, I, I mean, I've got to agree with you. I thought there were there were some excellent spots in there. That that one with AJ Styles, that 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 got me going. Wow! And I had to watch that back again, you know, a few more times. That that was incredible. Uh, there was a couple of other really good spots in there. I, I say maybe it's just because I, I just got so fed up of seeing, you know, the tables, ladders, and chairs everywhere. You know, it, it's it's almost like you know having sort of five or the the hell in the cell. You know, having three, four cell matches that by the time you get to the last one, it's like, oh, you know, it's it's again and again, you know, a bit too much. If we'd saved it and just had the one TLC match in there, I think that that you know could have kept it a bit more special. But there's little thing I did like the ending as well. Like you said, you know, the the, the surprise factor, I, I like that. But there's there's still bits in there. I must admit, as Dean Ambrose was going up there, I was thinking, oh no, no, not Dean Ambrose, not again. He was such a disappointment as champion, and there's still he still can't throw a punch. That is one of my things with Dean Ambrose. You know, I kind of like the character, although I thought it got too goofy. Is he still cannot throw a believable punch? His punches are awful. They really are. You know, they they miss by you know, sort of six inches. It's just too, far too noticeable. And it, it kind of takes takes you out. I know it's not real, but it's still, it takes me out of the of the moment. And it's like, oh, you know, and and sometimes he's selling. It's so inconsistent as well. You know, we're really selling something. And then a minute later, he's running up the ladder, you know, and it's like, oh, I don't know. Maybe that's just me being picky with Dean Ambrose. No, I mean, I think that um, with the right opponents, he can have really, really good matches, and I thought this was a really good match. Um, but is he an AJ Styles type of worker who can go in there and carry almost anyone to a good match? Um, no, he isn't. No, he, he's a good couple of levels below that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there's elements of what he does that aren't the best. And, you know, I mean, Alexa Bliss, for example, I noticed that some of her punches... Um, looked absolutely horrible and were missing by a good... I mean, she was punching a forearm. If you go back and watch the match, uh, when um, Becky Lynch was prone on the ground, um, she was doing a bit of ground and pound with Alexa. Punches were mitch- missing by a good 9 to 12 inches. It looked really, really embarrassingly bad. And, uh, you know, again, it's down to the kind of lack of experience. And uh, I mean, it's the sort of thing that you can almost excuse for somebody with that lack of experience, but Dean Ambrose has been around for quite a while now, and um, you certainly expect a bit better from him. But uh, yeah, my only my only real concern is that 
I look at the SmackDown male roster and who else can they go to as a viable opponent, as a credible opponent for AJ Styles? And that's what worried me about watching SmackDown this week is that that feud still isn't really um, at a complete end. And um, it's perhaps to a large extent because they haven't got any other suitable opponents for AJ Styles that they're having to keep um, Dean Ambrose in that mix. And um, again, that will only add to the, the stale feel to the show, despite the fact that even with that stale feel, still turns out to be a, a pretty decent show week to week. So that's the only weird weird thing about the whole thing. Yeah, you I mean you you've kind of preempted my question, which would have been, you know, um I, I love I love AJ as champion. But the thing is, what next? You know, who really can be next for him? I mean I mean as a one off, him and Dolph Ziggler, I'd like to watch that just as a match. You know, maybe on T V or something like that just because I think that would be a great match to watch. But in terms of an actual, an ongoing feud and to have a program and a viable opponent, you look around and you think, unless John Cena's going to come back and then they resurrect that feud, who can they really get in there right at this moment in time, week to week with him? Because it is pretty thin, isn't it? And that, and that is that is the, the real concern there because... A Smackdown's an, I'd say SmackDown's an easier show to watch than Raw. It's not all ne- it's not always necessarily better than Raw, but it's always I'd say easier to watch because of the time. But it, it de- I don't know, it desperately needs something, SmackDown. Maybe, you know, a couple two, maybe three bodies, maybe get one across from Raw, maybe call up one from NXT. It it needs some fresh blood in there, doesn't it? I totally agree. Yeah. Um I think they're going to try and muddle through December into January, um, leading up to the War Rumble, and I don't think that they'll move any talent between the rosters before the War Rumble, um, but I just don't see how they can carry on after the War Rumble with the same roster, because it, I mean, I'm just looking at the roster for SmackDown right now, and they've got nobody, absolutely not one single individual that they can move into a feud with AJ Styles next week on SmackDown. Not one. I mean, John Cena's not around. Um, he's doing movies and TV appearances and all sorts of things. Um, you know, Randy Orton is a viable opponent, but he's currently one half of the tag team champions and he's doing the whole work thing. Um, the Miz, you know, could be a good opponent, but he's a heel and they're not going to do heel versus heel. And, um, the Undertaker will only appear once or twice a year, so he's not going to be turning up and um, working a feud with AJ Styles week to week on SmackDown. And there's nobody else. I mean, half the roster's tag team wrestlers, and of the other few singles wrestlers, they're all completely buried in almost like glorified jobbers like the Apollo Crews of this world. And... Um, you know, that's going back to my earlier point that there's a real dearth of faces on this brand at the moment and uh, the company really needs to do something about that. So we talked about TLC. Uh, well, you know, the whole SmackDown roster is in need of TLC and uh, certainly needs some sprucing up and it needs it sprucing up very, very soon. Can I suggest a name? Go on. Shinsuke Nakamura. How... 
how excited would that make you feel if if you had Nakamura turn up on SmackDown and then we have an AJ Styles Nakamura feud? How would would that uh, spike your interest? Uh, probably more excited than John Flanagan after he scored that famous goal at uh, Tottenham Hotspur three seasons ago. Um, yeah, that would um, certainly get my um, attention. That's a few that was fantastic in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, Shinsuke Nakamura and AJ Styles worked some magic together um, over in Japan up until a, a year or two back and uh, had um, just some amazing matches. And you know, we've seen Shinsuke Nakamura on NXT and you know, he's got this charisma, this personality and this presence um, that very, very few talents on the entire roster, never mind NXT, um, can say they have. And uh, you know, he's somebody who's clearly not in much need of development. I mean, in the ring, he's as good as anyone in the business. And uh, the only real reason he's over on the NXT brand at the moment is that they want to perhaps um, just brush him up on his promos and uh, in terms of working in front of the camera, working for TV. Um, it's good to have him on NXT but uh, he's clearly ready to come up and step up and I'd like to see him come up sooner rather than later I mean I've talked for a while now that I expect him to turn up after Wrestlemania but um, if he can be brought up prior to Wrestlemania albeit he's only just regained the NXT title in Japan this past weekend after Royal Rumble would be an ideal time and then you know building up for a match between AJ and Nakamura at WrestleMania um, you know for a three month build um, and if it's done right then you know it can be something really special and magical so that would be an ideal opponent but do I think that will happen I don't think so I, th- I think that they will stick with I think is their plan of keeping on NXT until after WrestleMania and I think it will be after WrestleMania that he'll be brought up so um if they are going to bring any new opponents in, unfortunately it might have to be somebody from the Raw brand rather than from NXT, is my view. Hmm. I'd, I I would be inclined to agree, but I think there is a real opportunity here in that, you know, every, they say everything's about timing. Now, you know, we've been saying about there's nobody, there's nobody. Yeah, this is almost the opportune time for AJ Styles to cut a promo on SmackDown saying there is nobody I've got no opponents. There's nobody at my level. Q Q Nakamura and use him in um a kind of maybe a similarish way in which they introduced Kevin Owens when he was still the NXT champion. You know he was getting that exposure. He's got the belt on his arm. Perhaps build towards them actually having a match at Royal Rumble, and and then the same way that they transitioned Owens over to the main roster and then he you know he then handed the belt over. He did the job at NXT, you know, handed the torch over. It could be the time for Nakamura then to to pass the torch on to perhaps Bobby Roode. Uh, is is that a possibility? Do you think? I um, mean, it could well be. I mean, I'm expecting the takeover after just before the Royal Rumble. Um, you know, we've seen just how polished and um, most complete a performer Bobby Roode is. He honed his craft extremely well. During his 12 years in 
TNA and uh, certainly in terms of in-ring work, in terms of personality, presence, promos, he's got the lot. So, you know, he'd be a great um, champion to carry NXT um, into 2017 and well into that year. But he's another one like um, Nakamura, who's, you know, into his late 30s now. And time's running out. I mean, you don't want to be bringing all these guys into NX, sorry, onto the main roster when they're about to turn 40, which, you know, when they're in the you know, very late 30s. And uh, that's the only thing about some of these guys, you know. Bobby Roode and Nakamura aren't the only ones. There are you know, two or three others as well. Austin Aries, for example, um, is another very exceptional talent. And uh, you know, he's certainly another one who can step up and uh, perform at main event level from day one. But um, you know, he's about 38, 39, and there's no signs that um, they're going to be calling him up imminently. So uh, you know, it, it's, 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 it's a delicate balancing act that I think that somebody like a Triple H is trying to play here in that um, they've developed the NXT brand and um, it's a viable touring product now. They do run shows outside of the Florida area and um, they're making increasing amount of money out of the brand. Um, so they don't want to completely deplete the roster and send all of its best talent to Raw and SmackDown. But at the same time, um, Unfortunately, Raw and SmackDown are missing out by not having some tailor-made talent that are currently on the NXT roster. Um, and um, it, it's a shame that, that that's the case. And uh, that's why I said earlier on that I'd like to see um, some of the NXT talent be able to work NXT and one of the main roster brands. And um, I don't see why that that you know, these brands should... You know, it was certainly NXT and the two main brands should be mutually exclusive. I'd, I'd like to see some of the talent be able to work both over three, four, five, six months. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Austin Aries, and they, they used him on in the you know in the commentary booth on the 205 Live. Uh, now, personally, I, I think he could be a great way of, of really sort of uh, helping to bring bring that cruiserweight division on you know he is the guy who can cut a promo who you know who really can carry himself and he's got that experience that you talk about now because you know these experienced guys yes they're helping to really push and promote the the nxt brand but i think they're also helping you know some of these guys who are coming through the development they're getting to work with these experienced ones and they're not just experienced but you know they they are top level They're, they're elite performers in the world so They've they've had that experience then of of working with these older guys who've been around and are are, are as good as anybody at their craft. Uh, so I think what I mean, what about that then? Is is Austin Aries using him to really sort of elevate that uh, that cruiserweight division? That's a very good idea. Um, Austin Aries is um, somebody who's got a lot of experience working um, with. Um, smaller talent cruiserweights like heavyweights, um, and he's had that experience going back over 15 or more years. And uh, you know, I think that he'd certainly fit the Brian Kendrick spot a lot better than Brian Kendrick does. I mean, I, I've got a problem with Brian Kendrick because he's a guy who's clearly talented and he's a good worker, but he's a guy that also the WWE audience lost interest in. A good, what, 10 years ago, was it? 11, 12 years ago? And he's just somebody who's not very exciting. One of the 
unique selling points about cruiserweight division is, or should be at least, um, that it's different to the heavyweights. And the way in which they differentiate themselves is by working a quicker, faster, more acrobatic, um, jaw-dropping style. And Brian Kendrick really doesn't do that, whereas somebody like an Austin Aries can, and he does. And he can work some fantastic matches. And I've seen him have some phenomenal matches in promotions like TNA and Ring of Honor. Um, but Brian Kendrick is, is just a good worker. He's not a great worker. And uh, that's why the matches that we've seen um, you know, either on Raw as part of the Cruiserweight division or on the new 205 Live show, none have been great, um, but they've been good. And uh, for this division to make an impact and to get people's attention and to start getting over it needs talent to be exceptional or really good and um, you know I, I suppose we should segue into 205 live then because um, you know this is a show that launched a couple of weeks ago and um, you know my overall impressions are that it hasn't really overwhelmed me I've, I've not been too excited by the show the main reason why is I think that they haven't got a particularly great roster. If you asked the likes of me and others who follow wrestling from around the world, um, if you said to us, right, WWE wants to put together a Cruiserweight division, and it's what going to have initially perhaps about 16 uh, contracted talents to um, fill out this division and pull together a list of talent from around the world, whether it's Japan, Mexico, um, UK, the US independent scene, um, only perhaps one name on the entire NXT, sorry, the 205 Live division um, roster I've chosen to actually go on to it. And um, that would probably be Tozawa, Kiri Tozawa. And um, he's not even somebody who's being pushed at all. And all the rest, I wouldn't have really chosen. I mean, I mean, Jack Gallagher is probably the one that stands out at the moment the most uh, because you know he's he's fantastically entertaining. Um, he's different. He's original in a way in that originally in the sense that he's doing stuff on WWE television that nobody else does and uh, nobody else has really seen on that show. And it, I mean, what he's doing is stuff that fans of British wrestling have seen over many many years. I mean, he's working Johnny Saint spots and. Um, likes of them and uh it just feels fresh for the audience though doesn't it because i mean you, you said the 205 it hasn't really caught your imagination the thing is well i feel like because it's it's being taped at the same arena as smackdown it's almost like the arena's too big and the the audience is quite cold and that lack of atmosphere doesn't help the matches and as much as i, I think there's there's some talent on that roster i mean but like Rich Swan is, you know, Cedric Alexander. You mentioned, Jack, you know, Jack Gallagher. There's, you know, there, there are some talented guys there that, that could have some really good matches. But yeah, that there's something not quite right. I think that that smaller arena was was kind of the with a more intense atmosphere was more fitting, and yeah. and and it's maybe that's not helping it. But then, like you say, you know, Jack Gallagher, he was something different, and and that was something there that. The audience was pretty cold, but the more that match went on, the more they were getting into it, the more they were enjoying him. Yeah. And and it was, yeah, it was just something different. And it's that's 
I, I do kind of enjoy something I do enjoy about the cruiserweights in that I really enjoyed with the CWC was those different types of styles. It wasn't all lucha libre, you know, cruiserweight action, but you know, them different styles mesh nicely in that they were quick, and and there was something you know even the technical ones it was quick, and that's what kind of set it apart from you know heavyweights fighting. It was that slightly quicker pace. And it was great to watch. And and I just think, I mean, do you agree? You know that the the actual setting is kind of important in that that you know the the, the smaller arena gives it a little bit more of an intense atmosphere and, and maybe helps you know helps give something to them. You know, a bit more feedback to them. You feel like you're really in there with them. I agree totally. Yeah, absolutely. I, I thought it was a mistake for them to decide to take these shows live straight after SmackDown because um, now once SmackDown's over, I'm pretty sure that a certain element of that crowd, live crowd, decides to go home. They don't want to sit through 205 Live. Um, and that perhaps explains why um, the lighting you know, around the crowd is, is darkened and to perhaps hide the fact that uh, a lot of empty seats start to appear as soon as SmackDown's over. Um, it would have been far better suited to a smaller venue like the Full Sail one that they use for NXT where it's a more intimate setting where the crowd knows that um, roster appreciates what it does and responds accordingly and a crowd that's responsive that's into the action um, helps the talent get over more helps the matches get over more and helps everything to come across as better than it might otherwise appear in front of a dead, flat crowd. And we saw that during the Cruiserweight Classic over the summer, um, during that initial tournament, when they were working these matches um, and these shows at full sale um, in front of a more knowledgeable crowd, and uh, the matches were getting over much better, and also the talents were getting over well as well. And um, the talent would come across as stars because of the reactions and uh, the reactions are very important, and um, without those, then you know, it just affects the whole uh, perception of, of, of this of this show and this whole division. And uh, you know, it's something I'd like to see WWE have a look at because if it doesn't work out as a live show straight after SmackDown, then perhaps they should consider moving it to uh, full sale, even if it's taped and still aired after SmackDown on the WWE Network. Um, but the reactions are far better, um, then, you know, longer term, I think that would be the right thing for them to do. Yeah, I, I completely agree on that. I, I was actually going to suggest the same thing as to, you know, move move to just taping it, you know, maybe intertwine with the NXT there when they're doing the tapings. Uh, I think the crowd would kind of appreciate that as well. Uh, it just makes for a better atmosphere, which makes for, you, you know, more feedback for the wrestlers probably, it makes for better matches, more enjoyable, and the whole the whole product just comes across on the screen as as better and more meaningful, uh, and that and that helps WWE overall, and and hopefully they'll they'll kind of see how see this and maybe look to kind of tweak it as they go along. Um, time for us to move on to Raw though, because we are we are uh, moving along quite swiftly here. We'll be soon be running out of time. Uh, we had a new Raw Women's Champion over the past week. Um, the belts changed hands once again, and it's uh, as is becoming the tradition that uh, Sasha Banks wins it on Raw, and 
Charlotte wins it on the pay-per-view. Um, I've got a slight theory on this, and I might be wrong more, but I, I've, I've got a, a theory that uh, WWE are kind of trying to recreate the, the Ric Flair multiple uh, title reigns through the 80s where, you know, the, the belt would be passed back and forth, but perhaps accelerating it here with Charlotte. Uh, what, what do you think on that one? Well, that's quite possible. That's right. Um, I think that they see something really quite special in Charlotte, and uh, I can't blame them because she's fantastic talent, um, the best female wrestlers the company's ever had, and she's only been on the main roster for what eighteen months, less than that. Um, but she certainly made an impression, and you know the fact that she's working the closing segments of Raw. The fact that she's worked main events on Raw, the fact that she's worked main events of pay-per-views um, demonstrates and evidences the fact that she is a special talent. And um, you know, her favourite dance partner is, is Sasha Banks, and they've got this chemistry together that works really well. And I thought that their match um, last week was, was fantastic on Raw, and uh, it got over really well in... If anything, perhaps was the match that they should have had um, on pay-per-view last month. But, uh, yeah, I, I think that um, it, it's quite possible. I think that it makes a refreshing change from long title reigns. And increasingly nowadays, we do see quite long title reigns on the you know Raw and SmackDown brands. And uh, seeing one title have a bit of the hot potato treatment and being switched every few weeks isn't such a bad thing. And, um, you know... I think Charlotte already has, is it the tr three title reigns? And, uh, yeah, I think they're, they're both on three now, aren't they? So yeah, I, think I wonder if they're kind of, you know, like recreating, you know, a, a dinner, trying to recreate a modern dynasty here between these two, you know, you know, how they talk about Trish Stratus and Lita, how, you know, how the title went back and forth between them and the matches they had. But you know, perhaps thinking about obviously the, the family history that Charlotte has, you know, in the, in the terms, of obviously, back in the eighties, the, the you know the times the title went back and forth with Ric Flair, and you know the the way that, I think with Charlotte, I don't think she's necessarily the best res, women's wrestler, or the you know or gives the best promo, but there's just something about her, the way she carries herself, and it's she 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 has that feeling of of specialness about her, and and there is a chemistry there between them, but I think there's actually there's a, there's a real chemistry between the three of them there in Bailey, Sasha and Charlotte, whenever they work together in the ring or whenever I've ever I've seen them work together in the ring, they do seem to have this very, very unique uh, chemistry between them, don't they? Well, that's right. Absolutely. And um, I think the fact that the friends also helps as well. Um, having that understanding between them, that camaraderie, having come together up through the NXT ranks, certainly helps as well and um you know the, these these girls are getting over now i mean for many many years the divas division as it was called was just a sideshow you know it was just a time filler nobody really took it seriously um it was kind of chauvinistically looked at as you know, some eye candy uh, yeah it was the brown panties piss break. That's that's effectively what it was, really, wasn't it? That's right. Yeah. Which um, is demeaning, you know, for considering what has come, what well, what came before them at times, and then what we're seeing now, you know, Sam, you know, sandwiching them 
we and we've seen some great women's wrestling. So it, yeah, I agree. It's it's fantastic to see the women showcased in a way that they should be. Absolutely, yeah. They're being presented and portrayed as athletes uh, uh, equal to the men, and they're being put over um, as uh, talented female athletes who um, should be taken seriously rather than just uh, just another meaningless part of the uh, you know the show that nobody should really take seriously. So that's great to see, and uh, that's why I really enjoy the segment on Raw. And um, it was quite predictable. I mean, Charlotte ostensibly was there to apologise to Ric Flair, and then she didn't, and uh, turned on him and made him cry again. And um, it helps to get over that storyline that she's got with Sasha Banks to set up an Iron Man match. Um, I, I think they've really got to do something about that title, though. I mean, two women having an Iron Man match, really, um, but nonetheless. Uh, that that's going to be a 30-minute match, and I think it'd be fantastic. Uh, I really hope they don't try to overthink it like they did. Uh, was it the Survivor Series, uh, or was it another show? Um, no, it was Hell in a Cell, wasn't it? Um, last month, the month before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah a little bit convoluted. Yeah. Um, I'll I'll say that the two matches that Sasha Banks and Bailey had in NXT last year. When Bailey won the title, and then the I, you know, on the Iron Woman match that they had, the, those were the two probably the two best matches that I that I watched last year. They were incredible, and if Charlotte and Sasha can have uh, an Iron Woman match that's even close to that one that Sasha and Bailey had last year, I, I think they will be hitting the headlines because that was incredible, uh, and it's I think this could be a real real opportunity for them. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, um, you know, and again, there's always the chance that they could uh, end up working the main event at uh, Roadblock um, a week Sunday. Albeit, you know, we've got Kevin Owens and Roman Reigns up for the WWE Universal Championship, and you know, the Universal Championship wasn't the main event match at Hell in a Cell, and uh, the question as to whether they'll want to have that as part of the undercard for the second successive Raw exclusive pay-per-view. Um, but even if it goes on, you know, um, seconds last or third to last, um, I think that if they work it right, they could have the show steady match and possibly the best match of their careers. That, that's how high my expectations are for that match. And uh, I think that the storyline work that they're doing between them um, certainly is adding all the relevant spice to it. And I think if they have a, another great segment on Raw next week, like they have this week, um, it will be the most anticipated match of the show. And uh, if they accomplish that, then that's yet another great um, step in the progression of uh, the female division um, on Raw. And also directly, that's a benefit to SmackDown's female division too. It's just what you mentioned in Raw Block. Um you know, very briefly, are you, is it a, an event you're looking forward to then? I know it's it's yet another pay-per-view, only, you know, like a fortnight after the last one, which is something I think they really do have to look at. I think there's just far too many pay-per-views. There was already too many, one a month, I felt. Uh, now it's just ridiculous. But is there is there anything apart from that Women's Championship match that you think uh, this, this could be a really good show, you know, heading into the new year? Um, yeah, I think it will be. Um, 
mean, Kevin Owens and Roman Reigns is something that have been gradually building over a number of weeks, and um, it will come to a head. And uh, you know, they had a, a very good non-title match. Um, was it this week or last week on Raw? It all becomes a blur these TV shows, don't they? Um, but um, I know that they've had a recent match on TV, and I thought it was really good. And um, you know, I, I, that's something I'm certainly looking forward to. And that's certainly a few that hasn't really been done to death by any means. Um, and obviously, on the undercard, I can look forward to Seth Rollins and Chris Jericho in a singles match, and uh, those two certainly. Um, Built things nicely for for that match, following on from the angle that they ran all this past week. Um, so, um, you know, these are two matches that, um, you know, build up aside, should be really good matches. And then when you've got Sasha and Charlotte as well, um, those three matches on their own um, should make the show almost certainly a, a very good, if not a great, pay per view. And um, I'm sure they'll have some. Um, Decent action on the undercard too. So, whilst um, getting two pay-per-views in a month from the WWE feels like overkill in a way, um, this this show should have a pretty decent lineup. So, uh, I'm actually looking forward to it. Well, just finally before we go, then, do you think the uh, the tag titles will finally change hands at Roadblock? Just just kind of sorry no. to point in, but just just based on what we've been seeing the, the past two three weeks. Where you know that the obviously that there's there's been a lot of stress being put on, you know that how many days it is and they're about to equal demolitions record. I think there's so much being put on that and the way that they're winning. I, I think I think that it's really pointing towards something coming up here. Um, yeah, I think that um, a title change is imminent. Um, I think that they're just waiting to uh, break that record. So, um, as in when that title reign record that Demolition Hold is broken by the New Day, um, that's the point at which um, it would be the ideal time to take the titles off them. So, I've got a feeling that they might just try and hold out until uh, the Royal Rumble and um, go for a big title change then. Um, but um, you know, if they don't and they decide to do it on this show, then, um, you know, it, whether the record's broken or isn't broken, um, it's still been a heck of a title run. And um, it'd be nice to see somebody new um, with those title belts. And uh, you know, certainly the, the pairing of Cesaro and uh, Sheamus has grown on me. And uh, I think there's certainly that great chemistry between the two. They're real life, very good friends. And uh, work between them certainly been coming along so now those two as champions would be worthy title holders um, but even if it was um, Anderson and Gallows I think those two as well they've shown um, what they are capable of as a tag team in New Japan Pro Wrestling haven't quite hit those heights in the WWE but I think with a good title run they can certainly show what they're capable of so whether it's either of those teams I think that WWE won't go far wrong you know, they, they could throw a complete curveball and you know, bring out demolition from out of nowhere. And Axe and Smash might you know, go and beat the two, uh, any two of the three from New Day, and uh, keep their record intact. So a- anything can happen in the WWE, can't it? 
<laughs> that old adage, that old adage. And what a way to bring the show to a close. But before we um, before we play our trombones into the uh, the sunset, uh, anything you'd like to plug more? Um, yes, just a very quick one. And um, so I mentioned uh, several weeks ago about the uh, return of World of Sport Wrestling um, on ITV, and uh, time slot is now confirmed uh, for this, which is currently a one-off special. But um, I'm hoping various people in British wrestling are hoping that it will lead to a lot more. Um, this special is scheduled for New Year's Eve uh, for the 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. time slot. So uh, New Year's Eve this year um, is um, Saturday, and it's scheduled for 4 o'clock. So it's a Saturday 4 o'clock time slot, like it used to have back in the back in the day. And um, that that's something I'm very much looking forward to, and I certainly urge all listeners to try and check out that show. The only slight downside is that the last half half hour of the show will overlap with uh, Liverpool against Man City, so um, it might be a bit of um, you know, channel hopping between the two shows um, whilst that game is underway. But um, oh, there's, there's technology more. People can uh, there's there's iPlayers and the hub and all the rest of it, or you can record it and Sky Plus it, whatever. But multitask have two use, screens on. Yeah. Listeners, use your technology, make the most of it, and uh, do it, what, do, make sure you watch it, whether you watch it live or you watch it afterwards. I, I agree. I, I think it's going to be a fascinating watch. Yeah, it will be, absolutely. And um, you know, it'll be good to see um, what the new generation of British wrestling got to offer. I mean, I know that a lot of people who watch WWE have been impressed by Jack Gallagher, and I can tell you that there's plenty, plenty more where he came from. You know, British wrestling is the um, real um, hot spot where it comes to uh, young talent coming through. And that's why WWE, Triple H, William Regal are looking at British promotions and looking at um, what the British um, wrestling scene has got to offer because there's such an overabundance of exciting, promising talent. Um, I just don't know what to tell you. And you'll see some of that on uh, World Sport Wrestling on New Year's Eve, 4 o'clock on ITV, and um, I'm sure you won't be disappointed if you watch it. Absolutely not. Um, yeah, so th- that wraps things up for this week's uh, Pro Wrestling Index. Um, obviously, I want to thank my uh, my audio tag team partner, Mo Chatra. Uh, thank all of you, uh, our lovely listeners, uh, for listening to this show and uh, downloading please continue to do so here on the Anfield Index podcast channel. But until next time, from myself, Andy Wales, it's bye-bye now. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 